We're recording on Gadigal land and we acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and pay our respects to their culture and elders. Cheers <laughs> to a successful potty year and year in general. We're going to do our first sip of this very red concoction on, on mic. What do you call this, Karina? The candy cane cocktail. Slurp, slurp. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> mm. It's basically your classic vodka cranberry. <laughs> With the candy cane mm. rim. It needs more peppermint. Probably wouldn't hurt, but... Mm. I'm Karina May. And I'm Claire Fletcher. And we love rom-coms. They're our favourite kind of love stories. We love reading and watching rom-coms so much, we started writing our own. We're always chasing that rom-com feeling. You know the one. Warm and fuzzy one. And we might not be experts, but by God, we're enthusiastic. And we are. We've already cheersed. <laughs> Cheers again. <laughs> Cheers! We'll have the recipe for you somewhere. Um, sure, it's not that hard. Karina has <laughs> masterminded a festive cocktail for us. Mm. And you can hear the little clink, 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 clink. So excuse us, we're going to be slipping and slurping our way through our Christmas bonus episode. Um, where we're going to be talking about the Christmas text which we prescribed... Starting off with our book club pick, my pick, One Day in December, and Claire and I have not discussed this yet because we wanted to capture all thoughts on Mike, and I'm pretty sure, based off the little capital letters, I have thoughts. Uh, You've got some big thoughts about this book. Yeah. This is the time. I do have thoughts. I will be sharing them. This will be a spoiler episode, just FYI. So in case you didn't get to the Christmas text, there's still time. Come back and you can listen to this episode, but we will be getting into it. Yeah. So just to recap, if you haven't yet read One Day in December by Josie Silver or watched one or both of the movies that we're going to talk about, which are Window Wonderland and Falling for Christmas, hit pause and come back. Afterwards, Unless you want spoilers. Yeah. I sometimes just listen anyway to these types of things. <laughs> so One Day in December. Actually, when did it come out? What year? Do you have those stats? I think 2018. I don't have it in front of me, but I was just looking. I've got the book right here. So I have read it quite a few times, um, but I hadn't reread it for a while. Yeah, copyright 2018. My first impressions was that it wasn't as Christmassy as I recalled. And... I felt certain feelings that I picked it for the Christmas book club and then I'm like, how Christmassy is it and why did I have the impression it was Christmassy and why is it in all of these like top Christmas reads? Well, it's wintry Mm. and I think it's really got that cosy British winter Mm. vibe, which I would say is one of its great strengths. And I think it is relevant to the holidays because it has this recurring device. Oh, it was a Reese's book pick. Claire's got the um, paperback. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. It has a recurring device, which I think it, it does really cleverly as this story spans quite a few years. Like a decade, I think. It starts off each year with New Year's resolutions. Mm. And that's a really interesting way to check in with where Laurie is at, psychologically, character-wise. And Laurie, but nicknamed Lou, did that throw you? Or like maybe it's just how it's written. I did the audio, I will reveal, for this reread. And they kept calling, her nickname was Lou, but Laurie. How's it written in the book? I forget. Laurie, L-A-U-R-I-E. 
No, but then when um, Sarah, her bestie, calls her Lou. And then Jack starts to do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Chloe's rolling her eyes. All right. So first. Let's start off with a bit of a synopsis. synopsis okay. You, you give it. Love at first sight trope. I think when oh. I introduced it, I said star-crossed lovers, which I mean... I think that's it, not inaccurate. I don't think it's inaccurate either, but I would say definitely love at first sight in that Laurie is on the bus and sees Jack at the bus stop and it's Christmas time. She's got tinsel in her hair and it's just that zappy, zingy moment. And I thought that was really beautifully done yeah. yeah it immediately like I think I was like two pages in and I messaged you I was like yes I love this vibe I think you said that you wanted to like it made you want to already write like a sappy kind of romance right was it that meet cute moment yeah. that you yeah and I think also just like the voice straight away mm. you know I was on board uh with Laurie from that I love yeah and it's not easy to write that like instant chemistry, like eyes meeting with someone. It, it takes it's really not some skill to kind of yeah. bring an actual moment out of what is essentially a person driving past another person sitting mm. on a bus. So it's one of those sliding door moments, and then obviously the plot is around Laurie trying to find this bus stop guy for at least a year. Bus boy. Bus boy. Sorry, and. I guess that's the other thing. Without a conversation, the fact that she, like we were also as the readers so invested in her finding Busboy, that is also testament to how that moment was written, like how special that moment was, which Mm -hmm. is incredibly hard to do. Um, And so the first year of the book is Laurie and her beloved housemate Sarah searching for Busboy. And it becomes a kind of a joke. You can tell Laurie's really invested in it, but she kind of starts to give up on it a little bit. And then... Sarah introduces her new boyfriend. Busboy. Busboy. <laughs> Cue many years mm. of angsty. Stolen kisses and moments where, you know, obviously then we have loyalties of friends until finally Laurie meets someone new, Oscar. Mm. Mm. Um, and Sarah and Jack, Busboy, eventually break up. And I, I was surprised on the rereading how long it goes on for and maybe we can get into this but in that Laurie and Oscar are married for some time um Jack repartners with somebody else Sarah repartners with Luke who is when Jack has a car accident an accident yeah Luke is first on the scene so that's who Sarah an Australian yes an Australian so everyone is repartnered and then finally Years and years and years and years and years, marriages, breakups, best friend betrayals later, they get together. The path is finally clear. Yes, yes. Maybe we should start with like, we haven't done a book club before, but... No, this is new like territory what, for us. What you liked maybe could mm-hmm. be cool. I mean, I'll start off with, I remember the feeling of, yeah, visiting that apartment for the first time and... Yeah, I, that definitely gave me old school rom-com vibes when they were describing that share living. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a real sense of place from that apartment because it's also where um, I guess Jack and Laurie have their first little like late night chats. And I had a real sense of that living situation and what that was. Like I could see past Karina's in share housing and that felt really real and familiar to me and I really enjoyed that part. Of the beginning. Yeah, I think there's something about a share house 
dynamic that's always really fun and brings another dimension to that kind of best friend relationship, which you have to be really invested in to feel the full kind of angst and stakes Mm. of this story because Laurie loves Sarah and so when she realises that she's going out with Busboy, she kind of instantaneously makes this decision... Not to tell her. Not to tell her. Mm. And I think she's not even sure for a while whether Jack remembers her from that moment either, like whether it would have made the He same doesn't reveal that for quite some time, like that we actually, what we should mention, it's written from um, two point of views. So we get Laurie's and Jack's mm. and it's so funny because off the back of like good material <laughs> recently, <laughs> I really felt that Andy, who is the majority um, of the narrative in good material and Jack had similar vibes um but maybe again that was because I listened to audio of good material and I listened to the one day in December audio which I hadn't listened to before and so we got the insight from Jack I guess of his feelings um so we knew that he recognized Laurie and was also trying to fight those feelings but Laurie he never confirmed that to her yeah So that would have been her going out on a huge limb, blowing up her friendship with this guy that potentially hadn't even noticed her, right? Yeah. And, I mean, so tricky for her in her friendship with Sarah in that, you know, she kind of makes a call in the moment not to say anything and then the longer it goes, obviously, the worse it will be and she, you know, kind of can't tell Sarah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I thought the vibes were really good. It really was a lovely kind of cosy... You know, it was like... Oh, it's the quality of those English rom-coms. Yes. I think it's Very that. London, very British. And I think maybe because this was before the time of Beth O'Leary or before I read Beth O'Leary, mm-hmm. maybe Flat Share came. So I think that was also a huge draw card for the book for me. This, this English rom-com vibe. Yeah. Which I really love. And I love the mag. She works in magazines. So... Yes. I mean, another huge rom-com favourite, but that also added to... The story for me. Yes, definitely. I mean, yeah, and, you know, it made me think of, you know, snuggling in your coat and those Mm. kind of long, dark nights, you know, the day is over so quickly when you're in winter in the Northern Hemisphere and so there's a lot of, like, long nights in pubs, cosy pubs, having, you know, conversations and canoodling and stuff like that. I thought the, the, the vibes were really lovely. I liked and I like that kind of classic rom com touch that she worked in magazines, but I did think that that was an aspect that wasn't very well fleshed. Well, out. it wasn't developed in the same way I would say, like her sister who had passed. I feel like, again, I was reading this critically for the first time. I was like, we don't really get much about her, and it's a huge connection point of her and Jack. But yeah. there could have been a lot more. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I thought that Sarah had way more character development through this story mm. than Laurie. Mm. And I think maybe, look, my ish, the infidelity aspect of this book was really hard for me to get over. I mean, I think Josie Silver did a really good job of making it make sense for what the characters' motivations were at all times and how impossible a situation they were in a lot of the time. And also when they finally got together, she made, like, Sarah have the stamp of approval Mm. as well for that to go ahead. Yeah. But I guess the kiss and the, like, long time deceit um, paints paints a certain picture. But the thing is, like, I'm pretty amoral as a reader. Like, 
I'm, I'm happy to go as a person anywhere. or as a, re- as a reader. Let me add that disclaimer. <laughs> but you know, like I'm sure in the heat of the moment, in my wild younger years, I've probably done things that were less than above board. Do tell. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the issue for me with this book was that I didn't really love Laurie or Jack. Jack especially is a real dick for a lot of this mm. book. And Laurie, I think, was almost too perfect to feel relatable sometimes. I mean, I didn't feel that, but yeah. I can see how you can think that. I And I guess, you know, there's... It was always supposed to be about what a music lover he was as like a DJ and a radio mm. person. But there were very few references to actual music. Yeah. Similar to how Laurie was so driven by her career, but it never really got deep. What yeah. did she do in a vice column for teenagers? Like, <laughs> I mean, there was way more references to like movies. Mm. I mean, I counted I'm Twilight, Notebook, Grease, Eat, Pray, Love. And then they were talking about action movies, which made me laugh after <laughs> our discussion um, on the potty. And that was something um, that I loved that I that I singled out was like the rom- the nods to classic rom-coms. Yeah. So, you know, all of the Bridget Jones's diary-style New Year's resolutions I thought worked really well. And I have Love Actually cards written down here, but I can't remember what that was in the book. Oh, yeah, they referenced that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they did, about how romantic that was actually. Oh, I think it was a proposal. Anyway, I, I do remember that bit. I do think that it being set in like that Christmas period as well, it increases all the emotions and the intensity of the of of everything. So yeah. the fact that every time she's reconnecting with Jack and it's around that time of year, she's so reflective and everything is like a reference point. And I felt if that had just happened at another time of year, it, we might not have felt so intensely. That's a really good point. Mm. I'm just thinking of the... I mean, Taylor Swift does that perfectly in a song, Just the mm. Damn Season. And w- what did you think about Oscar? I mean, so the Wonderlust Fires were there. So it's hard for me to separate initially the Thailand chapters and Oscar because I felt like Laurie needs to get away from this world. Like she actually needs to remove herself from Jack and from that world to kind of, which is what she does, which is forget about this man. I felt he was too, like, perfect on paper. I mean, I was laughing at the starfish nickname and then how Jack then calls her starfish, um, which is a classic thing to do. Mm. But I really, really enjoyed the Thailand chapters. I think, you know, he was he was quite one-dimensional in the story. I mean, he was maybe more of a plot device than anything. I thought it, would, it suited his character, though, for the reason why they broke up, which is him... I guess effectively putting his career first. I mean, she was a fine. He was a finance bro yeah. when she met him, and so that was really realistic to me as well. Especially that whole, that holiday romance connecting on holidays and it translating into the real world. Her motivations for wanting to get over this other man and to have this other experience. That was all really believable to me. Mm-hmm. How they got to the point of marriage and then, then working out that they maybe weren't compatible. Yeah. How did you picture him? <sighs> I don't know that I had like a specific actor in mind, but I was picturing him like on the Thailand beach, still maybe like with a college shirt, but like with it all the way undone mm. type thing. What did you? I don't know why, but have you watched um, Emily in Paris? Of course. Please. You know the yeah the other guy 
the British guy mm. that she goes mm. out with. For some reason, that is that's, how this Oscar that, looked. That's in my why, head. because he was that character, we knew that it, it was Jack, and we mm. know um, what's what's Emily in Paris's. What's the the guy? Anyway, we know that she's going to end up with him. Yeah. Um, is his name Oscar? The other guy? Maybe that's why. <laughs> I think it might be. Yeah. I have to Google that. And so I just assumed, looking at the cover of this paperback that I have of One Day in December, I was like, oh, all right, it's been adapted into a movie or a TV show. I'll just watch it. But it, it hasn't. I think Alfie. It's sorry, Alfie. Alfie and Oscar, they're the same names in my head. It hasn't been adapted. It should be. I think it would do really well as an adaptation. There's so many, like, visual moments that stick in your head, like the grease stuff, the Ferris wheel. And um, this is a thing with good writing. Like, when we go to any of our writing courses and stuff, it's about that talkable, those scenes that you remember. And I think... One day in December from the very beginning with the bus scene, mm-hmm. there are those moments. Like when they have their kiss in the pub and like I think he intercepts her when she's shopping or they run into each other. Like Yeah, the Christmas shopping yeah. thing really sticks in my mind. Normally with a book I maybe have like two or three. There's a lot in this book that you maybe can't, you know, it gets fuzzier as, you, as time goes on and it's longer since you've read it. But... There's like 10 or so. Like she does a really good job of actually creating that visual of Mm -hmm. that scene. Yeah, so to me I thought Sarah, the friend character, was one of the strongest points of the story. I loved her, the romance that she ultimately had when she moved to Australia with her guy. Was it WA that they moved to? Yeah, I think it might have been. Cotsloe Beach, I think. Yeah. But she was supposed to – she was a a newsreader. So, again, like even her career arc felt a little more Mm. full-bodied to me than Laurie. But I understand – Often in a in a romance, the the leads are drawn kind of loosely so that it's easier to insert yourself in them as a reader. Mm. There's not even a, a whole lot of references to how Laurie looks except to kind of set her up in contrast with Sarah. Mm. And how beautiful Sarah is. How beautiful yeah. Sarah is. But then someone's like describes Laurie as looking like Elizabeth Taylor. I think that's a Jack kind of does that at some point. And look, I tore through it. I read most of it in a night. Yeah. Um, it's a comfort read even. I mean, and it's also obviously a love triangle trope without, I guess, triangles. Sarah knowing. <laughs> yeah, various triangles. Like if you had to put it on some type of rom-com scale rating, oh, would, you, would you reread? Yeah, I think maybe I would. Ask me this time next year. I think I would go back. I mean, I think... I read it really quickly. It would be yeah. good to read it again. Be interesting to see it adapted, I think. And I thought the ending was like a really great idea. The way that kind of like she's rushing. What is it? He starts kind of talking about her on his late night radio yeah. show. Yeah, and that's funny because the job just kind of pops up again. I do yeah. feel that with the career stuff. I, yeah. I fully hear your point on that because it, you kind of almost forget along the way what their job is, and then it became integral to that last plot point. If, if she'd been listening to him regularly, that'd be different. It reminded me of... Um, it wasn't the implication that she had always been listening to him, but it was Yeah, but we, it wasn't on the, the page, yeah. yeah. That was Lonely Hearts Radio vibe because yes. then I pictured that and I did get... So that's the um, Audible novella that Claire and I listened to. Um, that is set in New York, like early noughties or late 90s, I can't remember. Um, it's, the, it's the millennium. Oh, yeah, it is yeah. too. Yeah, it's that same cosy feeling of that time. Yeah. So a rating? <laughs> I'd give it a seven. Yeah. Yeah. I will say because and I, I managed the DMs, <laughs> uh, we did get a lot of alternate suggestions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So 
I guess we'll share them in the show notes. Um, well, I l- think I want to articulate, I'm trying to get into manifesting a little bit more. So I want to try to speak aloud the things that I would oh, like You know to I'm a huge in believer in this. But I think I would love for us to do a live show at the end of next year. And I think... Candy cane cocktails for all. Exactly. So, yeah, let's hear these other suggestions and I think we mm. can build towards that. Mm. Definitely Tessa Bailey, like, owns the Christmas um, book market, I think. But She's the one that did, the, like, the Sexy Fisherman books, right? Yeah. So she's got... I th- is, isn't she Wreck the Halls and A Merry Little Christmas? Um, is Wreck the Halls about fishermen? <laughs> I think that's about Christmas baubles based off the cover. I don't know. No, I don't mm. think so. But then one that we got quite a lot of, it's called the, the Christmas Shop or something. I'll have to put it in the show notes. Um, but, yeah, there looks like, I guess, some more. This was more the essence of Christmas and the timing, but it's not like we ever saw them trimming a tree. So it's maybe a different, like, sub-genre of Christmas in that it's, like, cosy Christmas vibes versus Christmas subject. Loose seasonal. Yeah, loose seasonal. But I'm glad that you read it, Claire. I'm glad everyone read it. Um, I'm glad I read it too. Thank you for suggesting it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it really does still come up as like one of the number one Christmas reads. So it's a classic. I mean, I thought it was a bit older than 2018. Maybe because the time starts. I think the first year we meet is like 2008. So I think that's why I thought it was a bit older than it was. But regardless, I hope everyone enjoyed their reading. Thank you for <laughs> suggesting it. I'm sorry. I, and I think maybe I did that thing where I went through being like, Karina loves this book. I'm going to bring a different yeah. viewpoint. So maybe I was reading critically. And I read critically going, it's not as perfect as I thought. And that is also a good lesson for us because sometimes you can just enjoy a book and you don't have to know why. You can just be like, I really enjoy this book. So when I was rereading it going, why do I love this book? It was making me, yeah, I, 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 I don't regret that. But it takes some of the joy yeah, out sometimes. Yeah, the magic, the magic. That's why it's sometimes I struggle sometimes to decide whether to revisit a book that I loved mm. when I was younger. Like I was got very deeply into Salinger in my 20s and I think if I reread a lot of those books I would do it with yeah a lot of different contextual understanding of the man as a writer that might take away some of the joy of it I think Mm. it's almost better to let it stay in my mind as I remember it Mm. Mm. but I'm very excited to check out some more of Josie Silver's work because that classic English rom-com vibe is just my jam we love mouth's getting quite sticky <laughs> from this candy cane. Hopefully it's not too like slurpy ASMR listening to this. Yeah. I mean, if people are slurping along with us, then <laughs> they won't notice. Hope you're slurping out there. <laughs> Our Lilo movie, Falling for Christmas. Yeah. I think maybe straight up the movie title could have been a little bit more punny or something. Yeah, it's like a the weird memory one, of isn't it? or something. Falling for Christmas. I know that's how she had her like memory issue. She fell, but and she obviously falls for the man. <laughs> but I don't know. I think we could have had more fun with that. Potentially. Mm. Do you want to do a little synopsis of this? <laughs> yeah, I wish I'd written down like the character names because I think it's such a a hallmark and a Christmas movie. 
Well, she You could do a bingo card where it's like a crazy specific names, really mm. unusually specific jobs. I know the horse's name, Balthazar. Yeah. <laughs> She's Sierra. But I thought they call her Sarah. Well, they call her Jane Doe initially, obviously. They call her Sarah when yeah. Yeah, they're trying to figure out. She doesn't remember who she is. Anyway, we've got to talk about that. Sorry, the, I just the worst acting. My name is... My name is... <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> okay, synopsis. You can take it away and I'll just like chime in like a Jess's court and be annoying when you get it wrong. Lindsay Lohan returns to the screen in Falling for Christmas, a movie about a young, she's like a hotel heiress, mm-hmm. accustomed to living life in the lap of luxury and she returns to uh, one of her dad's resorts in a wintry town in the lead up to Christmas. He wants her to take on a job, which I think is kind of a bullshit job that he's made up for her. It's like mm, director of atmosphere or something like that. He's trying to get her more involved. She's like, I don't know if if, if hotels are for me. Uh, she also has a boyfriend who is a kind, I guess he's an influencer. Yeah. Tad. Yeah. And, you know, Sierra is very privileged and kind of oblivious to the world around her. But there's something magnetic about her. She's got incredible style. Uh, and so Tad arrives at the resort and wants to take her out onto the slopes for a fun moment, he says, let's get some ussies, which I guess is like a selfie for two people. I missed that reference. Yeah. That didn't take off, did it? The it ussie. really didn't. We could get some ussies in the studio today. Stop trying to make ussies happen, Chad. <laughs> um, anyway, they go out onto the slopes and he proposes in dramatic fashion and the ring is too big and she begins to sleep on her skis and falls off. A, a cliff, essentially. Uh, and then he ends up tumbling behind her. Mm. Uh, but they get separated. She donks her head on a tree. Donks! <laughs> uh, and comes to when she's found by... What's his name? Jake? Jake. The actor is Chard Overstreet because I will say, great casting. I liked him. I had to look him up. And I like the name Chard. He wasn't rugged enough for me. Okay, we'll get into that. I never that. want a blonde. I am, I'm, no, I believe anyone that puts a check shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> so Jake is a wholesome, simple man, recently widowed, two mm. years. feels like... It's a bit fresh. It's a bit fresh considering <laughs> how hard his beautiful daughter and his mother-in-law mm. really just want Jake to bang Sierra... <laughs> Interesting. Find the North Star of of North Star Lodge. Yeah, so Jake runs North Star Lodge, which I think he says he was given as a wedding present by his dead wife's father, which is interesting on So because one of the things that Lilo is trying to do to help save the lodge is to help access like the heart of the lodge and the memories. And one of his One of his disses is, what do you know about memories? You don't even remember your name. (laughs) (laughs) That had me cackling. (laughs) I was like, all right, Jake, settle down. She's trying to help you save this 
this beautiful lodge that you got given. So it's an interesting meet cute if you think about it because uh, I keep going to call him Chad. Jake yeah. is out on his sleigh taking a sweet young couple for a sleigh ride. They're really interesting minor characters oh, yeah, they because are. she's like, she's cute and this guy is like really, I guess, risk averse. So he's like, is this thing safe? A piece just fell off this sleigh. I don't know about this. And then... Probably unnecessary commentary, I would say. Yeah. Well, I guess he was just trying to make the most of his moment. Uh, but, you know, the real meat cute isn't then. It's um, the oh. coffee spilling. It's a coffee spilling. We've talked about the clumsy drink spilling. The art of the spill. In the foyer when um, Jake is there. Jake is there to see Sierra's dad, the hotel magnate, to try and get some investment for the North Star Lodge. Mm, mm. And see if the big guy will help save the little guy. Daddy's not interested. (laughs) Daddy is not. (laughs) Okay, so it's not really their meet cute when the sleigh. It's their second meet cute. Re-meet cute? Yeah. Yeah, so he sees uh, Sierra's bright pink, uh, iconic ski outfit. And old mate in the sleigh is like, is that a dead body? Uh, and they roll her over and, yeah. And it's Lilo looking great. I mean, her hair is fantastic throughout this film. She's great in this movie. Like, this is one of her, like, comeback roles, Yeah. It? And I think... Has she done anything since this? Did she have a baby? Yes, she had a baby. Yeah. I feel like she's done something else, but this is... Did she do... She did that Brett Easton Ellis film, didn't she? Maybe. But, the, I mean, there's some bad Christmas movies out there. There's some bad acting. This is not one of them. How do you feel? Yeah, well, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, it may have heightened my emotional reactions that I was watching this on a Dash 8 flight coming back from regional Queensland last night with my daughter sleeping on my lap um, going through some incredible turbulence really makes you appreciate the smaller things in life when you are worried that you're flying through a storm but I really enjoyed it Mm. and I had tried I had started watching it when it first came out and I actually never got to the end Um, so it was good to have a reason to go all the way through it but I think what works about this film is that it's camp as hell Mm. But they know it. Mm. And like even, you know, they do the blooper reel over the credits. I was going to say, so I, actually, I actually have that written down as a plus. I was like, it's just that little icing, the cherry on the top at the end. I love a blooper roll. I love it. it I mean, it could have been staged, but it just seemed like they were having mm. a really good time making it. And uh, it was in keeping with the fact that I think that there was just the right amount and the right type of montages in this. So we had montages when it's like, you know, maybe it will help you to do everyday things to remember who you are. And so they have her like doing the chores in in North North Star and she's making a bed and she's like, I don't think I've done this before. And we do a montage of the chores. (laughs) (laughs) Then we do a montage, I think, when they're getting... um, There's a falling in love montage. Mm. Where well, they're flipping pancakes. She's quite aggressively, like, squirting. They're icing cookies and she just literally, like, <laughs> leans over and squirts this thing in his face. It's quite aggressive. I love one of the other lines. I, I, I have written a couple of lines from this. Good, good. I don't think I've ever met someone like you before. If I had. I'd remember. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I think it's got just the right amount of self-awareness. Like, it's hammy. Mm. But, 
it feels like they're in on the joke. And it's very self-referential as well. Like, you know, there's a scene where Tad is driving Sierra up into the mountains and Jingle Bell Rock comes on and she's singing along, which is, you know, a reference to that very famous scene in Mean Girls, which I thought was funny and cute. And also gives a moment where he's like, oh, you're a bit peachy, love. And then later on, I mean, the, the nature of her memory loss is maybe not super consistent because she like has certain things that, you know, there's a whole, I don't like, I don't do bacon. And then she eats and she's like, I do do bacon. Um, and then she's like, oh, I can't sing. And Jake's like, you can. <laughs> I really like the character arc of the dad as well. He gets a great one. Like, Well, he's so like standoffish rich guy at the start but he mm. comes quite good at the end but he comes good yeah. yeah he definitely signs off on the relationship so charge you just thought could have been a little bit more chop and wood I, I think it's actually cord is it is yeah. that what you say well it's it's c-h-o-r-d no i think it's a-r oh no oh <laughs> i've written that wrong from wikipedia i mean Chard is a great name for a romantic <laughs> hero it's someday. Cord. It's cord. I've been saying chard. Is chard a green vegetable? A it leafy vegetable? It is a leafy veg. <laughs> it's, it's just like this guy, you know. He's got a good amount wow, of Wow, and you're so, you're so polite to wait till correct, correct me until I've said it five times. <laughs> so lovely of you. I wasn't sure if it was going to come up again. <laughs> I think he was on Glee or something Oh, like really? That. He was kind oh, of in I missed that, him. that era of... Of men. I mean, I don't get a strong. This is. I hope I'm not being borderline offensive here, but I don't get a super strong heterosexual vibe. Ah, great. You know, we're not watching a Hallmark movie for the sexiness Mm. so much. It's more. It's it's quite a non-threatening kind of romance, and at that level, it really works. Yeah, we're just waiting for like a mistletoe kiss, which I think there was mistletoe and then a pullback kiss. The other, which actually was really nice. I liked it because he was like, "We can't do this. Mm. What if you're with someone?" Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, turns out she was. Turns out she was. Tad, which, I mean, let's talk about Tad's subplot. I mean, did he get caught in a blizzard? <laughs> what happened? He has a bit of a survivalist arc. I mean, it's interesting because I thought maybe it was going to pitch... He's supposed to be a really ridiculous, superficial character. Mm. And he even the makeup department went ham on his, like, blizzard makeup. Like, he's Love. been, like, soot all over his face, under the dirt. <laughs> yeah, so he ends up uh, with... Is it Ralph in his like ice fishing mm-hmm. cabin? Mm-hmm. I think it transpires that Ralph is a poacher, and Ralph's pickup truck won't start, so they have to hike three days to get back to civilization. But they actually form quite a nice friendship. I wondered if there might be a little bit of oh, a same as subplot, a romantic subplot there. Yeah, and mm. there's a there's definitely a point where it could have been cut. Ralph it... reference, references his his shoe size. Yeah, in a rather um, winking way. I wouldn't be surprised. I thought the same thing. I wouldn't be surprised if that just ended up being cut. Well, we do end up with um, Tad's finale. Is quite. Um, Again, he's probably the most camp character in this film. And we're doing full spoilers here. So, you know, Sierra and Jake fall in love when she doesn't know who she is. And then when, you know, Tad turns up uh, with Sierra's dad to kind of take her back to the life that she knows, 
she can't stop thinking about this new and it's all about simplicity right and that's the attraction what, what counts in life what really matters i mean she's already helped basically save north star lodge i mean she's a co-owner at this point in my mind yeah and so there's some conflict there's stakes for her but she essentially has a really respectful breakup with Tad, where he's like, you know, they call off the engagement. Well, it's quite public initially when they're being right. interviewed. He does a, they do a full press mm. conference where he <laughs> says that they're about to get married. Uh, so at least she does it outside of a press conference. But, yeah, she basically says, I know you, Tad, and you'll be fine by New Year's Eve. Mm. Uh, and then he, uh, on his way out, he invites... Uh, Terry, who I think is some kind of concierge, hotel staff character, um, ask what he's doing for New Year's and they drive off together in the limo. So, I, I mean, you do get a bit of a maybe pansexual vibe yeah. from Tad. Good for him. Go, Tad. One other thing I wanted to mention because I do enjoy it in my Christmas movie is that sprinkling of magic. Yes. Now, you would think... Oh, the creepy Santa guy, though. I, I didn't find him creepy. You I didn't was, find him creepy? So, I, obviously, He's there's a like lot of... He's just, lurking around corners, leering at people. Oh, you haven't watched enough Hallmark because there's always that kind of passions, magical, mystical... Uh, there is an aspect of this in Window Underland, but I thought it was handled much better. It, we'll get to that. I, I agree. It was handled well. But I do like when that character is there that just watching over you just to make sure that the serendipity is working yeah no I I hear you (laughs) I mean you know and there's like the perfect the perfect sleigh that they're looking at at the markets and old Santa's there like yeah look at this good thing and Jake looks at the price tag he's like oh yeah no we couldn't and then of course when they have to do their we've got to go catch Sierra before she flies out um and the snowmobile won't start, so they have to... And then the daughter's like, what's this? And it's the magical sleigh that's, like, just appeared. I love that. <laughs> no, it was perfect. It felt it felt right. And, yeah, the element of magic, you're right. Mm. It, was, it was nicely done. Mm. So what are we rating this one? Hang on, I wrote something down. Oh, Maybe good. it's profound. Okay. I'll I wrote just... it on a plane. I can barely read it. Everyone, hold fire. I'm just going to take a sip of my cocktail while... Once you accept that it's a movie that feels like it was made by AI and that the lead is like a Ken doll with no genitals and that it's all very silly, it's quite sweet and heartwarming. Lindsay learns how to make a bed and a pancake. Tad absconds with Terry. Ralph. Yeah, I don't know if this is profound. I don't think it's profound. I wonder if whoever wrote that review has watched many Christmas movies because... Yeah, I wrote that. Oh, (laughs) I thought you got it from Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) Um, Well, No, this was my thoughts on the plane at 10 o'clock last night. Knowing you and your background and your... I'm a cynic, Karina. I'm sorry. No, your relationship with Christmas movies. I think relatively that that this this movie really stands up in a host of really, really terrible Christmas movies. Um, And it sounds like from that review that you quite enjoyed it. No, I really did enjoy mm. it. And I think especially if you're hitting the eggnogs or yeah. you're making your rum balls and having a, a sip for you, a sip for the bowl, you could do a lot worse. <laughs> you could do a lot worse. Wow. No, no, I'm sorry. Put that I'm on the posters. It with praise. <laughs> I think Lindsay did a great job. She it did. It seems like she had a lot of fun. And I, I would be inviting her back if I was the producer. Yeah, bloody hell. She should do another one. <laughs> 
we are back with refills. You didn't even notice we went, but we have topped up our candy cane cocktails. This is your opportunity to do that before we dive on into the sweetest Christmas movie. Oh my God. I loved it so much. Window Wonderland. I guess my expectations were really low, but even so, this strikes me as excellent quality for the genre. Excellent quality. Uh, I did get a couple of messages throughout Instagram when I had mentioned that I would like to do Christmas Spirit, the Spirit of Christmas, um, and that it was not available, that that is also their favourite. So the good stuff rises to the top, you know? It does. A synopsis. (laughs) I'm going to let you do this one. I want to ask first, how many times have you seen this and where did you first discover it? I was introduced to it from my – actually, I'm going to post on our Instagram at some stage my Christmas movie club. Uh, T-shirts and maybe a sample of our spreadsheet. Uh, But probably, yeah, like five years ago from when we started our Christmas movie club, my friend, you know, it was initially a hard sell to me as well. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, these Christmas movies, I don't know. So she was like, let me show you a couple of my favourites. And that was in there. So I probably... I would say that was probably my fifth watch of it. Yeah. Um, this is probably a really great, like, entry point. This is a, mm. a gateway Christmas movie to get people hooked. Mm. I will say, you know, just to set expectations, they're not all <laughs> of this quality, but we'll get into what makes this one so special. Mm. So, effectively, this one centres around two window dressers. <laughs> So yeah. they work at So we're hitting that bingo card of a very specific, unusual job. That's true. Which also ties into Christmas beautifully. That's true. And it's set in New York, which also gets ding, another ding, point. Ding. The department store, I would love to tell you the name of that, Claire. Maguire's. 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 Yep. Fictional, based on... Sachs, I'm going to guess. Sachs or maybe Macy's, I was thinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because it's 2013, so the – am I slurring already? <laughs> 2013, so the shop fit out isn't as, you know, like what it would be today. Mm. Uh, so it's hard to distinguish like how high-end department store it really is. Uh, all we know is the security system leaves a little to be desired, but we'll get into that. <laughs> So, Jake, another Jake. Oh, was the other guy Jake? Maybe I made that up. Anyway, disregard if it's not Jake now, it wasn't Jake then. Two Jakes of Christmas. Jake has recently moved to the city and this is a very important plot point because he's quite poor. But he's only started working at Maguire's, is that what we said it was called? Mm -hmm. For two months. And Sloane, is it Sloane? Sloane von Buren? She's been working there for two years. Now, the head window dresser is no longer. <laughs> what happens to her? Is it sickness? No. Does she pass? She goes to work for a competitor oh. and their boss is very upset about it. Oh. So basically the most important holiday of the year, the most important windows of the year are left with no one to dress them. Now, I get the impression that Jake and Sloan in their day-to-day jobs might do, you know, the small fry around the store. Yeah. They will do displays. displays. But they would never be in charge of those big New York windows. But it's been an aspiration, particularly of Sloan's. Of course. And yeah. this is where our 
enemies to lovers. I wouldn't even go as far. I don't think that they had enough beef to be enemies. Jake's only been there for two months, but they're certainly rivals and they are going after the same job, which is winning the right to dress the windows at Christmas and to effectively be promoted to head window dresser. So ensues a competition where they each dress one of the windows. So there's two main windows and there's going to be a winner at the end of the Christmas period. And Jake is, you know, going more down the the man cave route. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very masculine energy. And, and humour. I think his whole humor. thing is that he doesn't take anything very seriously. Yes, yeah, so he does – he designs his windows on the back of, like, napkins. So napkins. Serviettes. But he's also uh, an artist, so creativity is in his blood. Sloane seems a little bit more um, measured. Traditional. Traditional. Conservative. Yes. So what happens, Claire? They, over the course of dressing the windows, start to like each other a little bit. Sloane has a boyfriend. Sloane's mother also works at the department store. She is a bathroom attendant. And unbeknownst to Jake, that, that is Sloane's mother. He strikes up a lovely relationship with her. He She feeds him meatballs because <laughs> he's just moved to the city She's and can't like, afford food. You need food. a home-cooked meal. What I want to say that this film does so well is the reveal of information. I agree. So we start off and it has one of those classic getting to know you, get ready with me montages Mm -hmm. where we meet both Jake and Sloane as they get ready for their day. And one's eating sweet stuff for breakfast. One's eating sweet stuff for breakfast. He's like drinking his coffee, looking out over the city. And Sloane is like doing yoga, putting in her contacts, calling her mum. Um, brushing her teeth, like we, you, you very clearly get that set up from the beginning that she is fastidious, she's, you know, focused, she's ambitious. And Jake, I think you see his character come through more when they have that initial meeting and he's obviously very jokey, he's poking a lot of fun at her, she is not having it. But then it's the way these little things are revealed. I don't know, I just thought it was so good. So, like, we see Sloane on the phone to her mum a few times And Sloane is presenting as someone who is really high class. Like Jake has all of these gags about imagining what her mother is like. And that's the whole deal as well with the fiancé because he's he's picking her up in limos. He comes along in his town car Mm. and his opening line is, I think Jake calls him Kenny and he goes, it's Kenneth actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Written that down verbatim because it was a very telling line. Mm. I think Mac as well. So he is... The window cleaner. Yeah. Uh, and they both have these like independent friendship with Mac as well, like Sloan and Jake. And I love there's the cutest subplot there mm-hmm. where they set up Mac with Sloan's mother. What is Sloan's mother's name? Rita. Oh, Rita. That's right. So over the course of the movie, they end up, I guess, teaming up for the very best window mm. and falling in love. But the joy for me of this movie is all of, well, actually a huge highlight is them being locked in the department store. Now, <gasps> Always a dream, always a fantasy. As we've, I've said a couple of times, Jake just moved to the city, doesn't have the funds to maybe get his east side apartment, lives in the store. <laughs> 
So, which again is only revealed quite late. Yes. And I thought he were they'd have this scene where they show him getting ready for bed, and I just was like, oh, he's going to like be in his window. That's what he's going to do. He's putting on a dressing gown from the mannequin. He's brushing his teeth in what I recognise as the department store bathroom because I've seen Rita working there. And he tucks himself into bed and I'm like, yeah, it's going to pan out to show him in the window. Oh, that's so funny because I've lost all of those first impressions because yeah. I just know what's happening. I've watched it literally this morning. Oh, so my I'm gosh. very fresh. Yeah, and then it reveals him sleeping in the p- department store. I haven't, like, watched a movie like this where I was, like, shouting out reactions. <laughs> You're like, oh, cute. So cute. But it was like, you know, I have here, I'm looking at my extemporaneous notes and there's an initial scene where we see um, Sloane with Rita in the bathroom and Rita is mm. like, that lipstick colour doesn't work for you. And she has this line, women like us, the unmarried. I guess, you know, she's saying they're similar and I was like, oh, are they setting her up as a kind of ghost of Christmas future, like this is your future, Sloane. And then when they reveal it, I was like, Rita is her mum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that's so cute. Do you know what I loved about their sleeping in the um, the department store? Mm. Did you notice he has a book in his bedside table? No. Yes. What was it? I actually, I should have paused it and looked to see. I don't know that there was oh, enough data. Oh, I thought data. it was the specifics of the book. No. The fact that there was a book. Yeah, he was, like, really settled and cosy that he even had a book in his little drawer. <laughs> I thought it was adorable that we see early on that he has another job working as a life model in an art class yeah. and then that's where we get the reveal that he's a painter like mm. after the class finishes he gets to work on his own canvas but I was like he's modeling wearing his Christmas sweater like he's fully clothed <laughs> and then of course they have the plot line where Mac casually suggests to Sloane that she should get more in touch with her creative side and take a drawing class so of course she turns up to the class where Jake is the model and they're focusing on eyes, that class, the window to the soul, so they have to stare at each other the whole time. I love it. Also, there's great one-liners. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, you said a couple. Also, they had a Duncan. <laughs> Did you hear that reference? Yeah, what was the Duncan? What's the dunk part? The Dunkin' Donuts. Oh. Yeah, it was like, oh, like maybe not the Dunkin' Donuts, but fried batter. Oh, so, I was multitasking while I was watching this. Oh, so. Claire, please. Especially because it was a recurring joke. I really should have caught that. But also you're right, the humour in the windows, because there was one where it's <laughs> it had like, yo, yo, ho, ho. <laughs> and he was like, is that a partridge in the pear tree? <laughs> like, I don't know. It gave me very um, actually New Girl vibes. Like, um, oh. yeah, is it Nick? Yeah, that, and he actually kind of looked like him too. Great casting, really loved Yeah, him. he really grew on me. At the start yeah. I was like, yeah, look at this frat boy. But then by the end I was like, he's cute. Because he was And deep. she also like, they're these kind of anonymous looking people that you'd never see in anything else. But they really gave it their all and I thought they did a beautiful job. How about when um, Kenneth gives Rita money uh, in in her cup? Oh. Like she's a homeless person and that just, it was just, I was cringing. I was oh. like, stop, it's her mother. Which is obviously like a big part of the story. I mean, and I guess the subtext in this movie is barely submerged. Like it's, it's right there. Like Sloane says the line, because obviously, you know, window dressing, oh, it's all about appearances. She literally says, I am a facade. I'm like a window. But we- though they didn't take away, they weren't too cheesy, don't you think? Oh, I think they, yeah. they towed the line beautifully. We create perfect images for people to admire. There's also the bit where she's trying to, I guess, Jake's 
insecurity is that he wants to be an artist but because he's from a small town background and his family already think he's a bit of a failure, he's like, I can't be an artist. But she's trying to get him to feel more confident in it and she tells a story about how Salvador Dali actually dressed windows in a department store in Manhattan and I think there were complaints from, like, his boss about how it looked and he literally, like, threw a bathtub through the windows in protest and I looked it up, but it's all true. Oh, that's so... This is the thing. That's why I would never say it was enemies to lovers because mm. they're actually too kind to each other probably from the get-go. Like, you know, there's little snide remarks and they want the same thing, but they're incredibly kind. I actually loved as well when they were... So Sloan comes back thinking... Um, that Jake has gone back into the store to like sabotage her window and yeah. follows him and that's when she discovers. That's why she gets trapped there. Yes. By the security system. And the thing is, like firstly I love the dancing scene. Like I was dancing. just about to say that yeah. the slow dance scene was beautiful. And then finding out that like he actually wanted her to be trapped. I mean could have been gross and creepy. Like yeah. let the girl go. So she was missing a very important work Christmas dinner with Kenneth, Kenneth's partners, but the whole time he just wanted her there. And yeah, if that had been poorly done, I would have been like, "Ew, you trapped the girl." Yep. But I was like, "Oh my god, that's so sweet." I know. <laughs> you could kind of see those wheels turning in her head as well. She knew. She knew. Yeah. She wanted to be there just as much. I don't know. It was just hit after hit. Like every moment was so good. And the chemistry is there. It's a wholesome story. It's set in New York. Yeah, you're right. It's a quirky job. The chemistry was there between the characters. The plot wasn't too convoluted, but it it also, yeah, it had twists. It had twists and turns. So there's a thing where like the newspaper picks up on the fact that there's these like dueling window designers and so it becomes something that a lot of people in the city are following they end up having crowds each time they reveal the new windows um their boss is getting really invested in it uh and so they have to do a photo and a story for the newspaper which of course they arrive to do that the morning after they've accidentally slept in the shop and she's not together but together that's the other thing it's so wholesome they have like a final kiss at the end that's it she's doing her like walk of shame um, and the bitch from the perfume counter's like, you were wearing that dress yesterday. <laughs> and it's always the perfume lady. It's always. <laughs> I also like as well, like the Who was stepping out with Kenneth. <laughs> I know. The dark moment as well when they both get fired. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wasn't expecting it to go yeah, I know. Like that's a, that. I actually thought that when I was re-watching it. I was like, oh, that's right. I was like, yeah, because you just think it's all going to be happy. But no, they get fired. They get fired. Yeah. My note is, is it a Christmas movie if someone doesn't accuse someone of ruining Christmas? Actually, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Their boss accuses them of ruining Christmas for the shop and for everyone before he fires them. But then... And the element of magic in this one is more understated. Mm. I guess it's more about... There's no creepy Santa. Like right. <laughs> There's more interpersonal magic than... And, you know, I, from the very beginning, and it was almost part of that opening montage where we're getting to know both characters, we see them on their way to work. Sloane's getting coffees um, and Jake is asking someone for their uh, section of the newspaper that has the crossword and he's doing his crossword on the way. And then he arrives first at the building and Mac is there cleaning the windows and they're conferring about the crossword clues. And then he shuffles along and then Sloane turns up with coffees for Mac. So we have established right from the beginning that they each have these sweet and relationships. Both, and they're both really kind, so yeah. we're rooting for them. 
Right, it's the saves the cat moment. Yeah. <laughs> but it also sets up Mac as this kind of, you know, kindly older man who they're worried that he's lonely because his wife hasn't been around for a few years and they're both kind of looking out for him. Even that was funny because Jake was asking Sloane details. Like, oh, mm. for how long? Like, because he was just more there like, oh, we, we don't go into details. Yeah. We just, uh, and Sloane's like, well, it's been this long. And, you know, he keeps turning up, like, you know, suggesting things that end up pushing them together. We also see that there's a bit of uh, flirtation there between him and Rita. And Jake already has the idea to try to matchmake them before he realises that Rita is Sloane's mum. But, yeah, I did not see the ending coming where we have Sloane and Jake on the street with the cops having just been arrested and then the town car pulls up and... Jake's like, what's Kenneth doing here? And it's not Kenneth. Out steps Mac in a fancy suit. That's great. And they're, they're kind of they're like, what are you doing here? And he's like, this is my store. And they're like, we've never asked you your last name. And it's <laughs> Maguire. How did I forget then the name of the department store? <laughs> Mac Maguire. <laughs> he actually says the line. They're like... I can't remember what they ask him, but he's like, no, nah, I'm just rich. <laughs> but, you know, I guess his whole thing is that it's his family business. He's always loved the store. It's like Undercover Boss before. I mean, actually, you know what? It's probably the same. 2013 was probably when Undercover Boss was like big. Yeah. You know, the CEOs working behind the counter <laughs> at the Dunkin' Donuts. His whole rationale is that his family loved, you know, the boardrooms and the fancy meetings but he just liked being around people and seeing how the store was running and making sure that the store was in good hands and so of course he thinks they're the best and he reinstates them in their role and they do their final windows together and they kiss in front of the public they look up and realize there's mistletoe above them as they're like in their oh my god another mistletoe moment yeah oh i mean it's mandatory put that on the bingo card loved it this just sounds like a 10 out of 10 for you. It's a 10 out of 10. Yeah. I'm so Was glad. not expecting. I'm going to add you to my spreadsheet and put your rating in there. And well, the girls are going to be like, what? Right. <laughs> like there's a new member of this Christmas Hallmark <laughs> movie club. Look, if they're as good as this, sign me up. <laughs> I, love I think we know they're not as good as this. <laughs> <laughs> no, if I can get the spirit of Christmas for you, I'd like you to watch that in the off season. I think we'll be chasing the window wonderland high for the yeah. rest of our hallmark watching <laughs> career oh i had here it was the christmas bookshop and recommended by jacinta friend of the pod wreck the halls by tessa bailey um recommended by reading with cake who you just met yeah um and all i want for christmas anthology as well which is come out uh, come out <laughs> it's come uh emma mugglestone and co so there are three recommendations that will pop oh, in the show I don't notes. know Emma Mugglestone, but I just saw Penny Carroll posted an interview with her about a book that I'm now desperate to read. Oh, yeah. It just, yeah it's uh, literally my Amazon package arrived today with oh. it. Yeah, so you can borrow it. Okay. I think we are done with our, our Christmas cocktails. Cocktails are looking almost, a little empty. <laughs> almost drained. Um, this has been so fun. It's been so fun. It's actually, it makes me want to have other episodes where, yeah, we do spoilers and just go a little bit deeper because, you know, often we're trying to cover a lot of recommendations, but it means that we can't really dig too deeply into thoughts and feelings and it's great to intellectualise some of this stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're coming to the end of our first season. I've loved doing it. It's been so fun. And I think for 2024 and our next season we're looking at playing with the format 
a little mm. bit. We might try some new things. Mm. So let well, us know what you think. We will tell you all in our Substack and have, well, you don't really need the links. I mean, hopefully you've already watched this stuff, but we have mentioned a couple of other Christmas moments for you. So that will all be in the Substack. So make sure you're signed up. Our link is in our bio on Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram at that romcom pod. And as always, slide into those DMs. Merry review us. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Merry bloody Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.